Vidar and Catherine Ligard are the founders of safarimission.org. Vidar Ligard is also the author of A Fork in the Road, a book that gives you life lessons you were not taught in school and that the church did not tell you. And that is what Safari Mission Podcast is all about, teaching practical steps to personal growth and development. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Vidar and Catherine Ligard. Well, welcome back to the Safari Mission Podcast. Today, once again, we are with uh, Reverend Terry Young. Reverend Terry has lived uh, approximately 30 years in communist and ex-communist countries, Russia, Vietnam, uh, now in uh, Albania, and uh, helping the people there to come out of the unbiblical mindsets that they had been uh, indoctrinated with. Yes. How has that work been going? It goes very slow. But little, little by little, you know, precept upon precept, teaching God's word changes people's minds. I'm kind of reminded of a, of, of a student that came to us just at graduation practice in uh, one of our graduating classes in Russia. She told us, she said, thank you for teaching us. You were my first Bible teacher. And she said, you know, I was the communism teacher in my school. She was telling us this in Russian. And she said, I taught communism in the schools, and that there's a teacher like me in every school in Russia. There's an, a communist indoctrination teacher in every school. Absolutely. And in every military unit, there's a guy with the blue stripe, meaning that he's working for the KGB. The political minders are there everywhere you look. If you ride on the, the, the metro or the subway, it's amazing. That can be so full of people, but nobody talks. Because during the Soviet times, if you talk, somebody might hear you and turn you in. That reminds me of uh, actually some nations have been in Africa in times past where people were so afraid to say anything against anything to do with government or politics because um, you might go missing. Yeah. It's a sign of authoritarian rule. And if you're talking about socialism, the only way it can rule is by authoritarian means because people just don't want it when they really get it. That, you see, communism continued after World War II and after the revolution in 17. It continued because it makes false promises. It can't hope to keep the promises that it makes of a utopia because they have to take from people's wealth and it's like, it's, like, um, it's like the Prime Minister of England said, you run out of other people's money after a while. You run out of other people's money after a while. That's, that's an interesting way of saying it because uh, the government doesn't exist unless it's the people or people in government and their income comes from somewhere and that income is, is the people. Yeah. And so uh, we talked about some of this in the, in the, in the break time, that in, the, in the communist countries, people look to the state for everything. They want the state to provide for them medically. They want the state to provide for them for, for pensions. They want the state to create employment for them. They want everything from the state. Yeah. But then the thing is that unless there is people involved in that state, the state doesn't, doesn't exist. The state doesn't have anything. It has to take it from people. You scratch out a living selling corn on the side of the road, and they're going to take some of that. It's unfair and it's it's wrong. 
You know, I, I, I'm reminded that this scripture in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul was writing, and he wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said this, he said, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly over or of a necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And it goes on and it says some very positive, very exciting things about sowing and reaping here. But God is our source, not the state. God is the source. Amen. God is the one who provides. And when the state comes in and takes over and makes laws, passes laws to justify their actions, they are stealing. And who do they think they are to stand in front of God and say, hey, God doesn't exist. In, in 1967, Enver Hoja, where we live in Albania, declared his country to be the first atheist nation. After 500 years of Islam, he closed all the mosques, he closed all the churches that had opened up, and he closed down religion completely and outlawed it. And everybody who, who even said anything religious went to jail, and they were never heard from again. Why is it that the communists are afraid of the Bible or afraid of religion? Because it, it means they can't control it. They can't control what's in a man's heart. You can take everything and put him in a gulag, but you can't control what's in his heart unless you change his mind. And that's what their goal is, is to change the minds of the people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about uh, during break time here that um, when you were running Bible school there in Russia, that uh, day before exams, people would bring flowers and chocolates and all, all kinds of what, What's the thinking behind that? Why did people do that? The thinking was that they would influence the director. They would fill our office with flowers and with chocolates, hoping to get a good grade on their test. They test it differently than we do in the States. Our test, you know, of course, we're Americans. That's all we knew. We're not trying to push Americanism, but what we did was we set the, the, the test on a merit system. You answer a question, yes or no, it's right or wrong, according to what we taught in the class. Their system was you get a one, two, three, four, or a five. A patiorka, a five, is a good grade. And the, you walk into the instructor's office in their test days, you give him a bottle of champagne and a, and a bouquet of flowers, and he goes and he gives you one question. You answer the question yes or no. It may be right, it may be not. But if you give him a good, uh, good bribe, then he'll give you a good grade when you go out. And they thought that's what we were going to do at our Bible school. We we had to get up and correct them and say, listen, it doesn't matter how many flowers you get. Then they would come in our office and say, why did you give me a bad grade? I gave you chocolates. I gave you flowers. And they spent the money. We had a guy who came from the Far East. He brought salmon. I mean, smoked salmon. It was the whole thing and a big bucket of caviar. Because he thought that would bring favor with the instructors. So thinking you can buy favor. Yeah. Instead of having corruption. <laughs> Instead of having it based on merit and, and what's been done and so forth. Yeah. Uh, we talked about another thing, that school system was based on, I call it regurgitation, uh, just memorizing and this 
spitting back out the answer. So maybe you, you know, what what year was the French Revolution? And just memorizing the date of it, not necessarily understanding the significance of it and, right. and, and the whys behind it and how can we do various things so we don't repeat the same mistakes in, in, in history. Um, can you talk to us about that? Uh, how, how school system has been there and what the, the current, are? The current system where I lived in Vietnam was like that. The, the students had to say back to the instructors what they were taught in class. And if you ask them to think, if you ask them a question where they have to reason between the, at point A and point B, which is correct, they have a difficult time of it because they're used to just saying the answers. That's the way their test is. You, you study for the test instead of study for the material. And in Russia, they were more intellectual. They prided themselves on being, quote, intellectual. And so they would study the material and they would get the answers, but it, it seems like they, they, they had a linear way of thinking. Instead of thinking in a way where they could solve problems, there was no problem solving, there was simply spouting the party line. Mm. And today, you know, if you, if you come out and you say things like, oh, I don't believe in transgenderism, you are immediately cut off from society. You are immediately talked about as a radical, you are talked about as someone who's a, a bigot and, a, and, a, and all these terrible words. You know, communism just has slogans. People spout these slogans. I've got a whole entire book on slogans that the Russians used. I think I remember something about slogans here in the last few years in the, in the Western world. And I know a real popular slogan that was pushed and pushed and pushed was trust the science. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're the party of anti-science. Well, now look at their science. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, if you started asking any questions about the pandemic that came out, the science behind it or anything like that, uh, you, you'd be cut off, you'd be shut down. And, and of course, having grown up in, in uh, not in a communist country, but a socialist country, uh, I recognized the propaganda in the language because I saw some of that growing up as well. Yeah. How do we deal with these things? I think the only way to deal with it is to put our trust and our faith in God. You know, Kenya is a, a country that believes in God. If you say there's no God, what was it that people say here? How stupid can you get? I have heard a lot of people <laughs> answer something to that effect. How dumb can you get? Uh, I've shared with a lot of our students how Europeans and sometimes Americans, there's a lot of uh, agnosticism, there's yeah. a lot of atheism, and, and particularly in Europe, and, and I've heard that many, many times, how dumb can you get, what's wrong with these people, something to that effect. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you say that you trust in God, then how can you say that all these slogans from the communists are right when the Bible exactly contradicts everything they say? But now, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing, for example, in China, the Bible is being rewritten. Mm -hmm. We're seeing if certain individuals in the World Economic Forum, they're talking about rewriting the Bible to make, to, to create a correct religion. That's being talked about at the World Economic Forum. Right. Uh, and some of the individuals involved in those places. Um, I think we, if we go back to Lenin, there was some of that there as well. The, the, the rhetoric sounded biblical, but it wasn't Bible. Right. He, he capitalized on the religiosity of the people because under the czars, they believed in God. Before Lenin came in, they believed in God. 
So he used the Protestants and he, he persecuted the Orthodox Christians in that nation and he said things that were sounding like religious things like, you know what the Bible says that the Lord was and who is and who is to come in the book of Revelation, the, the, the angels worship the Lord around his, around his throne. They said the Lord, praise the Lord or something like that. And he took that and he said linen jeel, linen jeet, linen bulujit. That means linen lived, linen is living, and linen will always be alive. And so that became their way of, of usurping and replacing religion with communism. Hmm. I remember one of the big wake-up calls, maybe if you want to call it that, in moving from Europe to the United States when I was uh, 15 years old. Uh, growing up in Europe, I, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of people with a socialistic kind of mentality. And uh, I remember that if somebody excelled really, really well, um, that was not always encouraged. Oh, no. Sometimes it was actually very much discouraged because the uh, egalitarian mentality that everybody needs to be equal, which means you should not get ahead of somebody else as well. Right. Coming to the United States, I remember that um, whether it was sports or academics, or business and finances, uh, you were celebrated if you did well. Yes. And that was probably the biggest shock uh, as a kid coming to the U.S. That, yeah. that you were always celebrated, no matter what you were doing. Uh, that was one thing that really took me by surprise, and uh, it was something that I had a hunger and a yearning for growing up because I didn't see it. Rather, I saw, I saw a lot of being pushed down if you did well. Right. And the other thing that I really noticed when I came to the United States was that you could have discussions about opinions, but you were always respected if you had a different opinion. That's the way I grew up. That's not the way I grew up. Hmm. A difference of opinion, it, it had to be sorted out until all of society agreed upon this is now we've discussed all of this, we've come to a conclusion, and now this is, it's, it should be the opinion of everybody. And if you don't believe like this or have this particular opinion, you're an outsider. And it was, uh, yeah, free speech was there in the Constitution, but society did not embrace it. It was not embraced. No, not at all. Yes, in Russia they have a saying that the tall blade of grass is cut down. If you stand up above the rest, you are cut down. That's a saying in society. Yes, it is. And it's a principle that they practice. We used to say in the States, I disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. I disagree with what you say, but I will fight to death for your right. For your right to say it. That's true free speech. That's free speech. And that's, oh man, they don't like that. Leftists don't like that. They're trying to do away with that. Well, these are, these are you know, this issue of bringing flour and chocolate so you can get uh, extra grades. I mean, these are things I'm seeing in other places. Uh, this issue of let's let's not train people in school to think for themselves, to think outside the box, but to think within the framework we have set up for them. These are things I've seen a lot of 
different places as well. And this thinking that um, the government's not doing enough. They, the government should be doing more. Yeah. These are mindsets that you, you find in places where communism has not been fully implemented. Really? It's a mob mentality. It's groupthink. And that's, that's encouraged in communist societies, is groupthink. And it, for instance, I, I, I find it interesting that in, in Albania, where we live, we live in the capital there, and there are a lot of people that are from Roma, the Roma culture. They're taught in their culture not to work, but to go out and get money off of people who bring it into the country. But they feel a right to that. They feel privileged to have what I have worked for. They come and ask me for money, and if I don't give them any money, they get angry because they feel like they have the right to my money. I worked for that money. I didn't just appear, it didn't just appear in my hand. I worked for it. And when I take it out of the ATM, I pay for it too. It's not, it's not just free, but they have this entitlement mentality. And so that's the way that the, the, they are in every socialist society that I've ever been in. You end up with an, 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 an entitlement mentality. Exactly. As, as we conclude here today, I want to take a look here in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It talks about the covenant that we have with our God and the principles of that covenant, the way God set things up. And it says this, that the Lord will make you abound in prosperity and the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your livestock, and the fruit of your ground within, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. There is land ownership. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. Exactly. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. But it's based on us working. Here in verse 8, the Lord will command a blessing on you in your barns, and in all that you undertake. So the blessing scripturally comes on the one who works. Exactly. And it's a very different mentality and a very different system that the blessings should be shared with everybody. Yes, willingly one individual can share, that's giving to the poor, but that's a completely different way of doing it versus stealing from the one that is working in order that the one who doesn't work should have something to eat. Exactly. Paul said very strongly, the one who is not willing to work should not eat, he told the Thessalonian church. Yeah, and he called them busybodies, the people that didn't work. He called them busybodies. They went around begging off of other people. Yeah. So these are, these are important principles to understand because a, a communist society is always a declining society. Declining. Those that build on God as the source, good work ethics and so forth, and ingenuity and creativity, that creates a growing society. And so let's work together uh, to grow ourselves, to create ourselves, and we in the church, we should be working to create a growing society as well. Yeah. Reverend Terry, thank you so much. Great to hear from your experiences. Great to hear from your insights. Until next time. God bless you. Well, that's it for today. Watch out for our next episode with teachings from Vidar and Catherine Ligard. Like, share, and subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Safari Mission. You can also visit our website www.safarimission.org 
or call us at plus two five four seven four one seven 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 eight zero five to know more about safari mission and how you can get yourself a copy of vidali god's book a fork in the road <laughs>